guess what we just had? We had a mid-season classic that was pretty classic. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Baseball fans, welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, look at me. Look at this, my lower third. Call me Sully, or as I'm called here, Sully Baseball, as opposed to Sully Tennis, where I do Locked On Tennis. You didn't know that. That's my secret. Go, go subscribe to Locked On Tennis. Hey, I am a baseball podcaster for the last... I don't know, five, uh, the last decade or so, but the last five seasons here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. And by the way, as the landscape of sports media is changing, you know you can rely on the Lockdown Podcast Network where we have your team covered basketball, football, hockey, college football, baseball, all that. If you don't believe me, let's say you're an Arizona Diamondbacks fan and you want to have a daily podcast that's when you listen to this guy. Yeah. His name is Miller Thomas, host of the wonderful Lockdown Dimebacks uh, podcast. Hopefully, the listeners really think your legal name is Sully Baseball. I just think that would be a kind of funny, runny joke for everyone. But uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for the personal account. Look up Lockdown Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast. And oh, please hit subscribe on the Lockdown Dimebacks YouTube channel. Yeah. And uh, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast and Instagram. Hey, let's talk about it. <laughs> All right. All-Star game just ended, what, about 15, 20 minutes ago? Yeah. Uh, and it was a pretty thrilling – I got to say, it was a pretty thrilling game. It was a pretty thrilling ball game. Um, it was, for the most part, well-pitched. Uh, I do find it a little frustrating that no pitcher goes – Did I don't think a single – one American League pitcher and no National League pitcher went more than an inning. Um, it's tough to, I know managers don't want to see their pitchers going five, six innings. No. It'd be nice to see a pitcher, I don't know, go more than one, but I will say they, if this went into extra innings and for a minute there, it looked like it was going to, um, they were going to have a tie breaking home run derby. Now, do you know who had that idea? Do you know who said that out loud? You? In 2002, oh. when they ran out of pitchers and they declared the All-Star game a tie, and there was a famous shot of Bud Selig going, well, what am I supposed to do? I remember I was watching the game with Emmy Award-winning comedy writer Dan Cronin, and I said, just have a home run derby decide it. And think about it. That year, you would have had Sosa. You would have had Bonds. You had Jambi. You have, who are some of the other big ones? Who are in 2000, McGuire was already retired at that point, but you had Manny Ramirez. Griffey. I mean, uh, Griffey, I believe, was, yeah, Griffey was still playing at that point. Jim Tomei was still playing. Think about the bombs you would have had. That was pre-screening your P days in baseball. Alex Rodriguez was on this. I mean, everybody. Think about the bombs. Albert Pujols, think about the home runs you would have had in that home run derby. But they would have had it be a tiebreaker here, and I think that's great. And I think that's one of the – let's be positive for a few things here. 
That's one of the changes they've made to the All-Star game, which I think is terrific. So you know it's not going to go 11, 12, 13 innings. You know it's going to go tiebreaker. And I wouldn't be mad at all if they wanted to bring that change to real Major League Baseball. It doesn't seem like anyone is in love with the ghost runner on second rule, and I definitely don't want to watch an 18-inning baseball game either. Well, how about you do that after uh, – well, I mean, I'm all, I, I've been on record saying I'm all for a tie after 12. I'm cool with that, too. Yeah. Um, but if you, you know, if you don't like a tie, then have a home run derby after 12. Um, but let's, uh, let's also uh, – I'm going to say one of the great things about today's game and one of the things that really frustrated me about today's game, and they're linked. Hmm. Uh, the, the hero of the game was uh, Elias Diaz, who – was basically the token pick for the Colorado Rockies. I mean, look at this is not a knock on Elias Diaz, who's obviously you don't get to, I don't care, you know, where you are. You are a player on the major leagues. And he is a player who was, he was an 18 home run hitter a few years ago as a part-time player. Uh, He's having a very good year this year for the Colorado Rockies, but the Rockies need to have a rep. He was their rep. They needed another catcher. He was their catcher. And it's funny. He came up, Against Batista, who was yeah. lights out pitcher for the uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, they flashed and that one graphic: eighteen Ks per nine innings, which is insane. In absolutely, absolutely insane. And it was uh, Castellanos, who always seems to be having an at bat whenever something mm-hmm. happens. Um, he was on uh, second base, and I remember saying to our family friend who we were watching the ball game with today, I said, they should bunt him over. Diaz should bunt him over, get him into a scoring position and give Riley and Albies a chance to do it. And um, <clears throat> boy, uh, boy, uh, Diaz is glad he did not listen to my advice because he didn't bunt him over. He hit one in Edgar Martinez land and lifted a home run and, gave the National League 3-2 lead and 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 put himself in position to be the MVP of the All-Star game. So there you go. Uh, the token pick becomes the star. But then um, Thompson of the Phillies, the manager, decided to give it to Craig Kimbrell, and every Red Sox fan had their hearts in their mouth going, oh, I remember this guy. The guy who will pile up 40-some on saves and you'll sweat your body weight during every single one of them. And lo and behold, you know, two outs, nobody on, and everyone got flashbacks to, oh, this is Craig Kimbrell, where he walked two batters, including hometown hero Julio Rodriguez, before finally getting the strikeout to save the the National League's first victory since Melky Cabrera – of the Giants before he Crazy. got suspended, um, helped beat the National League in or helped beat the American League in 2012. So hey, Elias Diaz gets to you know some token pick. He's etched himself into All Star Game history. Yeah, Diaz was really good. I mean, Paul Holden called it in our locked on chat. That That's Diaz, right, he, he did. He did. Yeah. Paul Holden of Locked On Rockies was able to call it. So really cool uh, moment there for Diaz. Um, I don't know if I. 
I don't mind seeing because with the all-star game, there's just so many pitchers. So I feel like you have to just do the one inning thing. I mean, the American league threw out like 20 dudes because they had each dude just have like two, three batters at a time. And most of those guys didn't even finish an inning, which is crazy. But uh, just real quick on Craig Kimbrell, he's a nine time all-star. I was just wondering, do you think Craig Kimbrell is a hall of fame reliever? I, I, you know what? He has been a, he look at he's a fine pitcher who's had a wonderful career. I mean, I, I I made the joke because he had a he gave Red Sox fans heart attacks throughout the yeah. postseason in 2018. Um, he's piled up a lot of saves, and he's he's had some undeniably great seasons, especially when he was pitching for Atlanta. Yeah. Um, it just yeah, I, I don't know. I, he feel there's a lot of times you get guys who pile up tons of saves because they come in. The way the save rule is set up, if you come in, it's a three-run lead. If you only let up two runs, you get the save. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't given enough thought to his career. Uh, I think Billy Wagner, who's not in the Hall of Fame, felt like a Hall of Fame closer. He was a dominant pitcher. I, and maybe, I mean, I just when I think about the pitchers who came in and were real difference makers, I just never felt, I felt Craig Kimbrell compiled saves. And again, I could be totally wrong about this. I haven't done my homework on this and I'm just mainly having flashbacks of that 2018 season where he just, you know, you know, I sometimes wake up in a cold sweats, you know, screaming like, no, don't put anybody else on. Um, yeah. I only asked because when I saw today that he made his ninth, appearance in all-star game i was just kind of floored by it. i was like nine seems like a lot and when you look at the statistics he's got like a two three seven career era over 400 saves 14 k's per nine i think statistically it's gonna be tough like a guy like david ortiz has 10 all-star appearances and kimbrough's already at nine at 35 years of age he just might make it based off Maybe. the statistical argument and Maybe. then also also just real quick on your elias diaz point i would i am so glad he did not go up there and bunt this is the all-star game sign. you're right I want to see people swinging for the fences, okay? I don't right, need you right. to do the minutia of, like, let's do a little small ball. No, swing for the fences. I'm glad Diaz thought he was back at Coors Field. I, at I'm, I am, too. I, I'm yeah. saying I was dead wrong. I was completely dead wrong. But I'll tell you something that that a change they've made to the All-Star game that that I, I'd like them to not do anymore. Ooh. My favorite part of the – every and there are a lot of times I'll watch old All-Star games on YouTube. I never watch the game. I love it when all the players line up. And they're introduced, and they tip their hat. And you go down the line, you see all the players, and they're all in their uniforms. And then when you see a player from your team do something worthwhile in the playoffs or in the in the All Star game, like when I remember growing up, and I remember seeing you know Jim Rice hit and Fred Lynn hitting a home run in the All Star game, and later Roger Clemens was the MVP of one All Star game, and then of course in '99 with Pedro Martinez on the mound, striking out all these juiced up batters left and right. They were doing it in their Red Sox uniforms. And if you saw a player, you know, you saw Reggie Jackson hit the home run off of Doc Ellis. He was in his A's uniform that they're in their uniforms. And so probably Elias Diaz's home run might be the highlight for the Colorado Rockies and their fans. And he's not even wearing a Rockies uniform at the point. And, and it also made watching the game difficult 
beyond like lining up and seeing the, the pageantry of all the different uniforms and them tipping their caps, they're now wearing these, you know, the, the uniforms didn't look bad. It's just, which team are they for? You know, there's not a team you, you, you want to see them wearing those. If you, I had no problem with an all-star game hat. I really didn't. If they wanted their regular uniforms, they have an all-star game hat. Fine. They did. They've done that a few years. I remember doing it in 2014, 2015. I thought it looked kind of cool. Some of those hats are actually kind of badass. But to just have a completely different uniform that is completely uh, a nondescript. And also, I, it wasn't always clear who was up. Yeah, that yeah was I remember when, when Jose Ramirez came up at one point and he hit a double. I said, who hit that? I don't know. I don't even know what team he's on. And I, that's part of the game. Is you, That's my guy. That's my guy. Look at a guy in a red sock, a guy in a white sock, whatever uniform your team is wearing. If you're a Rockies fan, that's my guy. My guy hit that home run. And um, and, and it made it, it's it sounds like a nitpicky thing, but my friend and friend of the podcast, Gar Rennes, aka the batting stance guy, check him out on YouTube. He's got a great YouTube channel. Um, he's been on Letterman and all these great shows to, uh, imitating players. He was posting all these things on his page of the all-star game team pictures of the past. And they're all in their different uniforms. And you see the Astros uniform next to the Dodgers and all that. And that's part of the fun of it. And it's part of the pageantry of it. And as my friend of the family, Dolph Pfefferbaum said, who the hell is going to buy an all-star game Jersey? Yeah. I'm, I think I'm indifferent in terms of whether a player wears the American Jersey or their actual team Jersey. My biggest issue is because I'm going to get on my high horse a little bit here. So like, cause I'm a graphic designer, I'm making jerseys, I'm making uniforms. And guess what? I think for me, it's more about the execution of the Jersey. I don't really care if Devers is wearing a Boston Red Sox Jersey in the all-star game, or if he's wearing an American league Jersey, I just care about how the Jersey looks and the American league and the national league jerseys this year just look bland. They're boring. And I absolutely, hate the star being used as like the little a in american or like the little a in national i think that is just so lazy and i don't understand why they moved in this direction this year because if you look at last year's uniforms they did exactly what you said they had all the uniforms color-coded the same but it still said new york across it or said san diego they just matched the color theme to whether it was american league or national league in the past when they've done I mean, they did this past year, but in the past, they've done American and National, and they match it to the city. But in 2019, 2021, they went back to putting the team in front, but then this year, they went back to doing American National. I don't know why baseball keeps flip-flopping between those two decisions to either put the team name on it or just put the league name on it, but whatever you do, they need to just update the design. They have a whole year. It takes you, you're going to have 365 days, probably more like 10 months, but you're going to get a lot of time to design these jerseys. I don't know why after so much time, all the money that baseball has, this is the best version of the jersey that they could put out. You're in an all-star game. This is where you want to increase the exposure. Of course, you're not going to probably have insane sales from all-star game jerseys, like you said, but you still want to add that pizzazz. You still want to turn on TV and be like, dang, those MLB players look cool. And right now it's like, it's hard to gravitate to the sport of baseball in terms of fashion and pop culture. And you're like, man, I would never wear that jersey outside. And just one more quick thought. It's not like in basketball where they have to be coordinated because you don't want to pass it to the wrong person. Yeah. You're not going to throw the ball to the wrong person. It's pretty clear who's on offense and who's on defense. But, hey, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about the second half of baseball which is about to start.
Let me tell our listeners about my favorite bird dog shorts because bird dogs were nice enough to, sh- to send every locked on host a pair of shorts. And I got to tell y'all, I'm wearing it right now. These are the most comfortable pair of shorts I've ever worn. Bird dogs make you look good. Bird dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I'm a person that hasn't worked out in the last couple months, but when I put on my pair of bird dog shorts, people are like, dang, Miller, did you just run a 5K race? Because my thighs are looking fantastic. Bird dog shorts do ex- the bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as the Lululemon, but they fit way better. Bird dogs fix the issue with Stiff, restricting cotton by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement, which is to me, it's all about movement and comfortability. So go to birddogs.com, use code LOCKEDONMLB, or go to birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONMLB and use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONMLB or promo code locked on MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Let's take a look. Some of the teams that were super disappointing the first half of the year may be poised for a second half rebound. Who do you think is most likely to have a turnaround? Yeah, I saw the broadcast during the All-Star game mention the New York Mets a couple times as a team in the second half that could get hot. I don't really like the New York Mets. I don't really get good vibes. Um, A team that I'm going with, actually, they're not even like they weren't like a struggle in the first half. They just weren't like amazing. And they play in a division where they have five teams above 500. But I think they're going to separate in the second half from those bottom two teams in the Yankees and Boston Red Sox. I'm talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, who I think is just loaded with talent. you got the home run derby champ of Guerrero Jr. who could take off in the second half. Dalton Varsho, I know he's been struggling, but he's historically been a second-half player for the D-backs. You're loaded in that rotation. Manoa just got recalled. If he can refine his form because he looked good in that first start back since getting recalled, I like the Blue Jays a lot when I look at that rotation, when I look at that lineup. I don't know what happened to Jordan Romano. I know he left the All-Star game, right, potentially Mm -hmm. um, today. But I just think that Blue Jays team has been good in the first half. I think they could be great in the second half with all that talent finally coalescing and everyone kind of hitting their stride at the same time. You know, I, I, that's that's I can see that definitely happening. You know, and and, and certainly pulling away. Um, you know, it's funny. One of the things that causes teams to have a good second half is consistency in their pitching staff. Mm-hmm. And in the last couple, the last month or so, going into this All Star break, even a little more than a month, the best one-two pitching tandem has been Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove. Like they've pitched beautifully for a Padres team that has been one of the great disappointments in all of baseball this year. And I can't help but wonder. And again, LA is playing very well, obviously. The Diamondbacks have had a fabulous first half and the Giants have streaked. But if the Diamondbacks and the Giants come back to the mean, and again, if I had said to you at the beginning of the year, would you take an 85, 86 win team from Arizona? You oh, would yeah. have taken it in a heartbeat. Sign me if up. they regress and San Diego starts to play the way that they can, the fact that you know you have two pitchers, you know that 40% of your starts, you're going to get a good start. 
And I, you know, and Melvin is a good enough manager to keep the ship going. I, I don't give up on San Diego just yet. I don't hate don't, that. Yeah. And they're not exactly awful either. They're four games below 500. The right. D-backs in their last like 24 games were like 11 and 13. Like it's definitely plausible that the Padres are there that can make a big second half run. And also when you think about the Padres team and like the makeup of that team, I mean, they're of course loaded with stars, but AJ Preller, that GM, if he feels like that team is in spitting distance and has a real shot of making the wild card, I don't think he's just going to sit on his hands at the trade deadline. So you know what? I already acquired a bunch of stars the last couple of years. I've already signed a bunch of players. I think he'll probably will go out there. Maybe he's not trading for another Juan Soto level player at the deadline, but I wouldn't be surprised if he adds like a nice little utility piece that could help out in the infield or outfield or a nice you know, reliever or starting pitcher. Like, I don't know exactly what the needs are of the San Diego Padres off the top of my head. I mean, they're pretty loaded everywhere. They could probably use a little bit more depth in that lineup, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw aggressive A.J. Preller at the deadline because not like the Padres are dead in the water. They're like six and a half games back of the wild card. The team's ahead of them. I don't think you're super scared of. It's still teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates or like the mm-hmm. Chicago Cubs. I definitely think the Padres would leap a couple of those teams in the second half. It just depends how aggressive do they really want to get at the deadline as we talk about with a lot of these teams yeah um you know the Mets obviously played very very well down the last few uh weeks of the season before losing the last couple of games there um I I you know I said the I said the Padres in the American League um you know I mean there's some teams the the thing about the Blue Jays that makes me think that they may have a really big second half and they're you know, they're on the cusp of the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, is Alec Manoa pitched very well when he came back? Yeah. Cy Young contender last year, had a horrible first half. They sent him down, sort of get his head straight. He got rocked his first game in, um, in the Florida State League. But he got himself together, and his first game back, he pitched great. And that's like making an acquisition. That's like acquiring an ace pitcher. And if... Toronto can continue to play well and have their bats going well and then add an Alec Manoa who's at least a facsimile of the pitcher who dominated last year. Uh, I think they may, you know, they may give everyone a run for their money. And keep in mind, remember how great Tampa Bay's began the year? Like yeah. they were people were comparing to the 84 Tigers and they're going to run away the division. They're tied in the loss column with Baltimore right now. It's crazy. Yeah. And the Blue Jays, I mean, guys like Vlad Guerrero and George Springer, like they're having fine seasons, but they're not having monster seasons like we've seen from them in the past. But if they have a if you're not even asking them of a great season, if they have a really yeah. good, you know, two and a half months, then all of a sudden you, I think that could be the difference. Now look at, do I think they're going to pass? They're going to make up seven games. Actually, I don't know. They might because Tampa Bay's um, starting rotation is in shambles right now. They had a horrible slump where they lost seven straight games. And then Baltimore is playing. Obviously, Baltimore is playing great ball. But like the Diamondbacks, if I polled one million Orioles fans at the beginning of the year, said, would you be fine with 88 wins? I'd get two million yeses. Yeah, they're so, basically the ale version of the D-backs, I like to say. Right. So Toronto, more so than New York, who just saw, brought in Sean Casey as a hitting coach. <laughs> they're lost. Um, and the Red Sox, who, hey, the Red Sox have played great recently, 
but I also think they're playing a little bit above their heads too. I think the Red Sox are aiming to be above 500 and have a couple of their prospects in place. So they, you know, they're, they're can go into 2024 uh, in a, uh, in a buy now mode, but Toronto is a team that I think could have a dynamic second half. I still would wish they had a different manager, which takes us a little bit to our segment and in, in our, to our topic in segment three, I'm still not crazy about their manager, but I will proudly eat crow if he does take him to the division title. Yeah, and then just one final AL team that might be kind of obvious is a second half boom. They're only two games back of the AL West division lead, but the Houston Astros, who are always there in the mix, Jordan Alvarez, who was arguably the second best position player after Aaron Judge, of course, we don't count Shohei Otani. Jose Altuve, you're going to have him the full second half. I think that's another team who can just go up another level because we know about their championship experience. We know about that equity, and they're just a team that's going to be there at the end like we've seen every single season since 2017. So I'm never, they're basically the Golden State Warriors to me. I'm never counting out the Houston Astros. I will honestly take the Astros versus the field every single season, at least to get to the championship series until I see that they can't do it anymore. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now look at, like everyone, we've all had some hard moments over the last bunch of years. It's been a rough few years. I've had some situations in my life that have been, you know, that's been tough. I had the death of my father. I've had uncertainty with my job. Obviously, everything going on in the world, whether it was, you know, economic, pandemic, emotion, all the stuff happens, and it can be overwhelming. And do you know what? The path to deal with everything in life, it's not always clear, and it's seldom a straight line. And trying to find that path on your own, that's not always the right thing to do. And I'll be honest with you, therapy has helped me. It's helped me navigate the waters of life that are sometimes rough and choppy. And it's sometimes it helps me articulate my worries. Sometimes it helps me challenge my preconceptions. And sometimes it's been helpful just to get some of my concerns off my chest. I recommend therapy. And if you're thinking about therapy, why not give better help a try? Look at it's entirely online. It's designed for your convenience and you can work it around your schedule. Here's all you got to do. It takes all the fear and stigma out of it. All you got to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if the fit's not perfect. Let therapy be your map with better help. Now look it. Here's what you should do. You should visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MLB. And you'll get $10 off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash MLB. Give BetterHelp a try. All right, we're here with Miller Thomas. We're wrapping up this particular episode. Hey, uh, still, I'm now, no one's gotten my trivia question right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it go for one more day, then I'm going to tell the answer. What is it? Five. Picture. Do you want, maybe I'll tell the answer now. We'll move on. No, 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 I need to have a question first. I don't know where it is. Five pitchers in the history of baseball have thrown a no hitter in both the American League and the National League. Okay. Four of them are in the Hall of Fame. One of them is not. And this is not a situation where it's like, you know, Clemens, where he'd be in the Hall of Fame if it wasn't for the PED stuff. No, this is not someone who anyone's putting in the Hall of Fame. 
but he's not that obscure a pitcher either. If you're a baseball fan of the last bunch of decades, you know who this pitcher is. Okay. And he's throwing as a member of the American League, as a member of the National League. You have four Hall of Famers did it. Cy Young did it. He's in the Hall of Fame. Jim Bunning did it. He's in the Hall of Fame. Nolan Ryan did it. He's in the Hall of Fame. Randy Johnson did it. He's in the Hall of Fame. This other pitcher did it. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Who is he? Who is he? So, uh, but I'll give you no more hints. I'll give you no more hints. I'm just going to look up baseball no-hitters and then just figure out who's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's pretty well. I can't imagine no one's done that already. <laughs> yeah. um, by the way, who, who do you think's on the hot seat right now? I think there's, I think, I think there's one big one. But tell me who you think is. This was tough for me because I didn't have like a perfect candidate for this because I feel like it has to be a team that's underperforming expectations. But the issue is when I looked at those teams, a lot of them had like managers that's been there for like two years or less, like the Padres you got Bob Melvin. They're struggling, but he's been there for like less than two years. Buck show Walter of the Mets. He's been there for less than two years. The St. Louis Cardinals guy. He's been there less than two years. Like most of these teams, it's kind of hard to make a sound argument. I think the best one I have, and I think you brought this up on a previous podcast before I'm looking at the LA angels. I'm looking at their manager just because you're going into this season with Shohei Otani as an impending free agent. You want to put the best situation on the field and to go into a season where you have the interim manager from the previous year just carry over into the new year. Usually when that happens, that means you just didn't have any options. You didn't like anybody out there or you just don't know what you're doing because we've seen it time and time again. There has been other cases where you get the interim manager for the half season then he rolls over to the next season. And usually those guys don't last too long and usually those guys don't end up being long-term managers. There's a reason why they just have that interim title for just a little bit. We just saw it with the Cavs in basketball this past season with J.B. Bickerstaff. I think the Angels should have went out there and maybe I don't know who the perfect candidate is, but they probably should have went out there and at least got someone that has that brand name behind them, like what the Padres and Mets did the last couple of years, the Bob Melvins. We could even done what the Rangers did with Bruce Boshi. Like there's so many managers that have been on there on the market last year. So much playoff experience, World Series titles, and maybe your situation is still the same in terms of that win-loss total on your record. But in terms of the culture in your locker room, in terms of just how you're viewed as a fan, as a franchise, having a big boy as your manager who's been there, who's been through the wars, instead of just this interim title guy who just kind of like feels temporary, but he doesn't really feel like your long-term solution. I just don't think if you're trying to market to the greatest thing we've ever seen hit Major League Baseball to stay here long-term, I don't think telling him as he's entering free agency, yeah, we're not really sure what we're doing as manager. We just kind of have a guy that's holding it down, babysitting the position, but we don't really know how we feel about him. I don't know how we still never still has his job. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is this. Is, I don't know how anyone there still has their job, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, that's um, I mean, you brought up Bruce Bochy. You know, everyone knows does a drink when I say Bruce Bochy's lieutenants. Roberto Kelly's right there. You know, Ansley Mullins is right there with the pedigree of Bruce Bochy behind him. I would say Joe Madden, but Joe Madden's been there, done that in uh, <laughs> with the Angels. Um, Isn't that kind of crazy, I, though? The best manager available is the one that they fired, probably. I think Joe Madden should be the manager of the Blue Jays. Absolutely should be the manager of the Blue Jays. I don't understand why he isn't right now. I mean, no offense, John Schneider, but, I mean, I mean, yeah, if they do well with John Schneider, then then fine. C- congratulations. I can't – I don't understand how John Schneider made it to this year. 
but but since I since I called for his firing at the end of May, uh, the Blue Jays have been on a roll. So I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, I can't help but wonder if Buck Showalter is going to get fired. He won Manager of the Year last year, Which um, is and and I, I don't think that the Mets disappointing this year is necessarily his fault. He's made some weird managerial decisions. To be fair, but I I don't think it's his fault. But I also sometimes. There's the great line from Clint Eastwood's film, Unforgiven. Uh, he said, Deservin's got nothing to do with it. And they need to, they have an angry fan base. Huge, huge offseason of superstars. And the, the, someone needs to be thrown to the Lions. I don't think it's, I don't think it's right. But I think that, I think Showalter will probably uh, be fired. Um, the, the Yankees fired their hitting coach because yeah. yeah, that was the problem. And, uh, they brought in Sean Casey to essentially be a cheerleader because as, uh, Stacy and Steve said on lockdown Yankees, they said, they're not going to change their approach to hitting. They're just going <laughs> to fire the hitting coach. Okay. That's fine. We're going to hire the, we're going to fire the chef, but we're going to keep all the recipes the same. Uh, Sean Casey is clearly there when people say, well, has he ever played? Yeah, Sean Casey played. Sean Casey was a fine player and, and an excellent pure hitter. And so, and, you know, Aaron Boone's teammate, and they needed a scapegoat. Um, there is the possibility that the Yankees could finish in last place. How do I know this? They're only one game out of last place right now. And all the Red Sox have to do is play two games better than the Yankees the rest of the way. And the Blue Jays have to play as well as the Yankees the rest of the way. Those two things happen. The Yankees are going to finish in last place, albeit probably with a winning record. But with that, I think Aaron Boone may finally be on the hot seat because if they miss the postseason, because that's the thing they always say, well, the postseason's a, a crapshoot. So it's not that much of a crapshoot. If you construct a roster that everything is based upon how many home runs can we hit, which everything seems based on that, that doesn't work in the postseason when you know you're going to face good pitching. Yeah. I... And, and so I think – I do think Aaron Boone is mildly on the hot seat. Um, and uh, um, but and But I think absolutely Phil Nevin – and John Schneider, I don't think anybody in and and Buck Showalter, I don't think anyone else is really has a chance to be fired. Yeah, I think Yankee fans all consider Aaron Boone on the hot seat. I think they probably thought that the last couple of years and wouldn't be upset at all if the Yankees went in a different direction. It's just tough because like listening to baseball podcasts, it just seems like Boone is so entrenched with Cashman and Cashman is so entrenched with that ownership. That's like those are the three musketeers. Those that that grouping is never going to split up and if you look at Boone's like resume with the Yankees like it's harder to make an argument as to why he should be fired than not because he's like 95 plus wins every year as a regular season team and they've been to two championship series in like the last six years under Boone so even though they haven't been able to get to the mountaintop you know we have this highest level of expectations for the Yankees franchise but if it was any other franchise with Aaron Boone doing what he's doing with the New York Yankees it would be singing the praises of 95 plus wins and championship series but it's not but it's not. No. Now, the other organization, which is going to have a decade without a World Series appearance, uh, I don't think Oliver Marmel should be fired. I didn't think John Schilt deserved to be fired with the Cardinals. But President John Mazalek, there's uh, if you listen to Lockdown Cardinals, the rumors are going on. They may be trading Nolan Arenado. 
And if they do, then I'm sorry. He's got to go because he's had the car keys for a while. And they have gone. They have not appeared in a World Series in a decade. And if they've traded away Cy Young winners, Cy Young contenders, MVP candidates to bring in the superstars to put them over the top and then are going to be selling the superstars at pennies on the dollar, I'm sorry. You got to take the car keys away from them. I mean, the Cardinals are probably the most disappointing team this year just because of the division they're playing in and how bad they're looking. I mean, I'm just because they're still loaded with talent. Paul Goldschmidt still have a fantastic season. Nolan Arenado has picked it up. This is like the first month. They're loaded with young talent. Adam Wainwright should have retired eight years ago, but like that's still a solid team on paper. I don't understand how they're in last place in that division. The one other manager that I gave consideration to because I do think he's a good manager. I do think what he's done with his team the last few years has been quality as well, but he's been with his franchise for like six, seven years now. He does only have one playoff appearance, but he was able to break the longest playoff drought in Major League Baseball history. Scott Service with another year with the Mariners, looking like they might miss the postseason. They made it last year, but then it's really like seven years, one playoff appearance for Scott Service. I don't know how much that's his fault because the Mariners franchise has been such, you know, in disarray for so many years. I think they actually have good core and are actually building – uh, the right way and have you know moving toward the right direction but i don't know if they want to change it up and start building a new culture with a new leader as the forefront i think he'll be there beginning of next year but with a tremendous they have to get out to a great start well you always get off to a great start i always get off to a great start and miller thomas tell people where they can follow your show yeah, you can follow me uh, on all streaming platforms. You can listen to the show. Follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account. Look up Lockdown Dimebacks on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and please hit subscribe on the Lockdown Dimebacks YouTube channel. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Getting ready to get off to a great second half after a fabulous All-Star game. Let's mix up the uniforms a little bit. This has been Lockdown MLB. Locked on Diamondbacks crossover for July 12th, 2023. He's Miller Thomas. I'm your pal Sully. Let's fist pump again.